0: All right, everyone. Well, welcome yet again to another Devo with Pat and Jamie. We're excited that you have chosen to spend a minute or two or 25 or 30 uh, to get into some scripture and to talk a little bit about what that means for us and our lives. We are going to be doing something new. And this new thing on Sundays is the book of Philippians.
1: Yeah. You know, I little little fact about me that's probably not very good i have never learned how to spell philippians so when i look up philippians on google i just type in Phil and then like the number of the chapter and it works every time but i should probably learn to spell it
0: yeah you know well there's a lot of l's and p's uh and i's in philippians so you kind of have to you know figure that one out yeah um philippians it's crazy so the town of philippians was actually named after someone named philip oh cool so there you go and uh it was the dad of alexander the great i think yeah i think that might be right anyway whatever that's like some crazy history stuff but um you can look that up and figure it out on your own but yeah, we're going to read Philippians. Where are we at? I mean, we probably have to start from the beginning, right? I, yeah,
1: I think if we're doing something new, we should start from the top, right?
0: <laughs> that's probably the way to go. So um, if you're looking for Philippians in an actual Bible, rather than just searching it out, um, one thing that's helpful is to remember it's in the New Testament. And so you can start at the New Testament, which is the book of Matthew. And it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the four gospels. So, And then right after that, it's, Matthew, Mark, Leach, and then there's Acts and Romans. And then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And one way to remember those four books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, is Gas and Electric Power Company, GEPC, or uh, Go Eat Popcorn, I've heard people say, to help remember it. Nowadays, you just use Google, and you're fine. Yeah. Uh, but if you have an old school Bible and you're cracking it open to do this, that's one way to... To find it. And if, and
1: if you're checking out the video version of this Devo, if you kind of open your Bible like that, you know, that's kind of where yeah, it's at. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, re, it's really, I mean, in terms of the number of pages, it's really kind of towards the end. And it's a smaller book, so it's a little bit hard to find. But um I believe in you. You can do it.
1: Yeah. On my Bible, it's on page
0: 913. So that's great. <laughs> hey, so Pat, you want me to read this or do you want to read it? You know what? You go ahead and read it. I'll do it. This is Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus, through Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Amen. Now, what a, what a good, uh, good passage. It's, uh, encouraging. It's, Uh, Exciting a little bit, but uh, I want to like just start at verse one here. Uh, And it says to God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. Now, deacons is a church word, right? And deacons is still a word, (laughs) at least in our church that is used all the time. There's elders and there's deacons. Uh, Jamie, what in the world do deacons do? What are they?
0: Deacons, deacons, deacons. So, um, it actually goes back to the book of Acts and I think it's Acts, uh, chapter six, maybe, um, there was this issue they had in the church where, um, they would serve other people. Like they would serve people who were poor and, you know, help those in need. And so the apostles are the people who were like in charge of the church who were doing the ministry type stuff. So guys who were preaching, presenting the gospel, doing a lot of those things. They got to the point where a lot of the, the, the works that they were doing became, it became too much. And so they thought, well, how can we get help? And so they said, you know what, let's make some deacons. And so they made these things, these people called deacons who would um, serve uh, folks food. And um, it's a, it's a real kind of an interesting position. So We've carried that over even till today in our particular church. We have people who are elders and elders are the people who deal with a lot of the decision making in the church. uh, And they're kind of the the leaders of the church. But you also have leaders that are deacons and deacons are the ones who may help help people who are in need. Uh, They'll help set up communion. Um, deacons in our in our church uh, serve in ministries that really have to do with um, helping those in need and praying for people uh, and some spiritual needs. And elders uh, might be a little bit kind of geared more towards teaching uh, and also towards um, actually the ways in which we worship uh, would fall a little bit more in the category of elders. So it's just kind of a way of dividing up the the, uh, responsibilities of doing church.
1: Got it. Interesting. And also, you know, you, you pulled in another church word. You said elders there too. Kind of exciting news, uh, in your life. I know recently you became a teaching elder.
0: Well, yeah, well, officially I become a teaching elder. Um, let's see, it'll probably be in October. I'll have my ordination and installation service the beginning of October. Nice. So there you go. And, uh, we'll let you know when that happens. So you guys can all show up and, yeah. And, uh, you know, good luck going to Hallmark and finding a card that says something about that. Yeah. Congratulations on your ordination.
1: Yeah. And this just like flows right into, uh, verse three here. I thank my God. Every time I remember you, you know, you're, you're going through this in October, uh, becoming a teaching elder. I'm sure you're thinking God every time you, uh, remember him.
0: Yeah. And you know what's cool about this? This is like Paul, right? So Paul's like this like super apostle guy who who knows a lot and he's really close with God and like miracles are happening all around him. People are coming to know the Lord. Yet he's writing this, you know, kind of little church in Philippi who he's, he's been there before. He's seen them before and he's writing to them to say, you know, every time I think of you or I remember you, I thank God. Which is kind of cool. Like, I don't know if Pat, if you, if there's people in your life that when you think of them, you're like, praise God that that person's in my life.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a, quite a few people in my life that are like that, uh, including, um, many of the youth group students. Right? In fact, like all of the youth group students, you know, spend a lot of time praying for them and thinking about them and, uh, praising God that their lives are what they are and that I get to be part of it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's cool too that that Paul here is thanking God for another church. It's not necessarily, you know, back in this day they kind of saw the church as really like one church in different locations. Uh but you know, it, it would be like us today saying, "Man, I'm really glad that uh that church down the street is there. I'm just grateful uh for that church. Maybe I don't go to that church, maybe I don't attend it, but I'm I just thank God that there's a group of Christian people who are, are in that building or who are serving this community. But Paul knows a lot of these people by name. So he's thankful for them that God is doing stuff in them. So in verse four, it
1: says, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, this, this verse or two verses, four and five have always confused me a little bit. I don't really understand. It says the first day I go the first day of, of what, <laughs> you know, when was like, uh, yeah, like all the way back in Genesis that first day or, you know, what's going on.
0: Yeah. Like wait from the first day. Is it, is it the first day that you showed up? Is it the first day that, uh got there. In my Bible, there's a little note, and it refers us back to Acts chapter 16, verses 12 through 40, uh, which um, talks about Paul traveling to Philippi. So verse 12 says, from there we traveled to Philippi, Roman colony, and the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Um, And then it gives an account of of what happened uh, when Paul went there. So um, maybe this first day is from the first day that he stepped foot in Philippi and first met those people, uh, and, f- and first was able to tell them about Jesus.
1: Kind of like a first day of school or something like if the teacher, <laughs> that's right. you know, new classic kids, first thing to get to teach the kids. So it's kind of what yeah, maybe
0: about. some of you who've, who've given your life to the Lord, like you had, you know, maybe that happened at camp or. Maybe when you were a kid, you said a prayer and you're like, this is weird. And, you know, you went to bed that night, woke up in the morning and it felt like today's a new day. You know, this is the first day I have of living for Christ. I don't even know what it's going to be like. You know, is it going to be like super eventful or what? Uh, Because it it is true. Like when we decide that we want to follow Jesus and we give our lives to the Lord, there is a new birth that happens in us. Um, Like Jesus told Nicodemus. Um, he said, you have to be born again. And uh, and Nicodemus is like, that's crazy idea uh, that you have to be born again. But right. what that means is when you're born again, it's like there's something new in you. So I think when he says the first day, it's kind of like the first new birth of that church.
1: Mm. Yeah. And also one of my favorite verses, it was actually even turned into a song. The second part of verse six says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus
0: Christ. Now, if you don't know this verse, if you've never heard this verse, uh, you need to know it. And I would even suggest you memorize it because it is such uh, a promise that God gives us, right? He who began a good work in you and the person who began a good work in you is Jesus. Jesus began that work and sustains that work. And when Jesus starts something, he finishes it. Jesus doesn't do things halfway, right? Mm-hmm. Like it didn't say, oh, and then Jesus went in and healed a guy, but he only left him half healed and then walked away. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we see Jesus healing people and getting it done all the way. Uh, or he didn't only raise half of Lazarus from the dead. Um, he, he rose him completely from the dead and had him take off the clothes uh, of, of death that he was wearing and put on real clothes because he was fully alive. And so um, when, when God begins or when Jesus begins a good work in us, he's going to carry it on to completion. And then it says until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, and that day of Christ Jesus is what people call the second coming. It's when Jesus returns again. And we know a little bit about that. But to be honest, there's more that we don't know about it than we actually do know about Christ coming again.
1: And, and like Jamie said, you should try to memorize this one. If you need help memorizing it, you can look up the song because that's how I have memorized it. And it's simply called He Who Began a Good Work in You. And it's by Steve, Steve Green.
0: It's a yeah, real popular song, I think, in the 70s and 80s, maybe is when that came out. It's getting old now. Yeah. Um but it's uh yeah it's it's a good way to re- song is the best way to remember scripture. Um but this one is so great cuz it's a promise and that's what I love about it. In fact, this would be like if we were talking we're talking about this passage today and this is the key verse that I would, you know, hang your hat on here and that is that God is going to complete the work that he started in you. And there's something cool about that. What that means is that if you know that God has started something in your heart, maybe you accepted Christ, you want to follow Jesus and God's doing something in you. Um, it may feel like you're not going anywhere. It may feel like you're not making progress, but know this, that God is going to complete that work. God isn't going to leave you half done. God isn't going to um, say, oh, you know, I, I kind of started to, to you know, forgive you, but I, I eh, you know, I decided I didn't want to finish it. So sorry. Um, God's going to complete that work. Yeah. And what a cool promise that, that, Paul reminds that church and he reminds that church right at the beginning of the letter.
1: And so moving on to verse seven, kind of an interesting verse here. It says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. That's kind of (laughs) cool.
0: right? And what's cool here is like Paul starts to actually use some language that has to do with like bodies. Like he's he's physically talking about heart. It's not like a metaphorical heart. Like it could be a metaphor, right? You're in my heart. Obviously they don't live inside like, you know, his actual physical heart, but the word for it is, is the same word that you use for, for heart in the original language. And so he he's saying, um, I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. Like you are all, we're all under this umbrella of God's grace. And Paul says a couple of things that give us some clues about what's going on with him. One is it says he's in, whether I'm in chains. Uh, and, and so people in have looked at when Paul wrote this book and there's almost universal. Well, I don't want to say universal, but most people should think, that Paul wrote this when he was imprisoned in some way. Now, some people would assume it's when he was in house arrest. Um, Other people would think he's actually in a real jail. Uh, The majority, I think, of of, uh, Bible scholars think quite possibly Paul was actually in Rome when he wrote this under house arrest. So he was technically in chains. He was in, in prison, maybe house arrest. And um, he's writing this letter to encourage the church because he can't go there to encourage them.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of um, still it's kind of affirmed even in verse eight because it says God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. It's showing that uh, or at least implies that he's not going to see these people for a long time and hasn't seen them for a long time as well because he's saying, I'm, I want to be with you. And, and God is, uh, God can tell you that. God knows how much I want to actually be with you.
0: And this has one of the coolest words in the Greek um, that you would totally skip over. So if you weren't able to look it up, but it actually says, verse 8, right? God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. The word affection is not affection. Oh. oh. No, I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah the word that's in there and in one way you can look at it the the king james version says this uh god is my record how greatly i long after all of you in the bowels of jesus christ oh <laughs> <laughs> so, wow yeah <laughs> the actual word is uh it, it's it's uh splanch, non sounds like a weird word uh, it is kind of a weird word, but it me- it means inward parts, or maybe even intestines or guts, Whoa, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's like I long for you with like even like in my guts. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's how much I care about you. It's like in, in so Paul's used the word heart in here earlier on, but now he's like, yes, heart is the core of who I am, but it's also like in my guts. Now here's what's weird: in some cultures you might love someone with your heart. Uh, and we say that, right? right? We're like, oh, I love you, you know, you're in my heart. Right. Uh, other cultures might think of like in my head or my brain and others might say in my guts or my bowels is where I like actually, like that's where like, cause it's like the most middle of you, the core of who you are. Yeah. Um, now I don't necessarily think the core of who I am is my large intestine. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> right? That, that, that isn't what I would normally think or say, but, uh, You're right. <laughs> but, um, you know, just Paul's making sure he's covering all the bases here. He's like, I, I have so much affection for you guys. It's like, it's inside of me.
1: Really cool. Really? I didn't know that. That's kind of funny. And that makes this passage so much better, at least for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. And if you want to look it up, I mean, just look up the King James, ver- King James version and they directly translate that word to bowels instead of, uh, <laughs> affection.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, in verse nine, it says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight. Just like, I want you to know as much as possible and learn as much as possible.
0: And another thing that's cool about that, right? It's it's that your love may abound. So like grow exponentially exponentially in knowledge and depth of insight and sometimes i think we think that if our knowledge and insight grows that somehow like we'll be more loving and that doesn't always work right um and sometimes if we're really like smart and we want to use all of our knowledge we end up being less loving right to other people yeah uh we'd rather be right than be loving and i think here paul is saying and paul by the way is considered one of the smartest people who ever lived Hmm. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. I mean, he wrote more of the New Testament than any other author. Paul has been attributed with basically being the um, uh, the first theologian, oh. uh, a Christian theologian ever. Paul is, you know, people still um, look to Paul for uh, a lot of very high-level theology
1: uh-huh. um,
0: just based on what he wrote in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And so here's one of the smartest guys, and he's saying his his prayer— isn't that these people's knowledge would increase more and more, but that um, their love may increase more and more. And it may increase more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Yeah. And it's for a purpose, right? What's, that's the next verse. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: purpose so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So there's a lot of intention here. (laughs) And
0: it's cool too, that like your love abounding that you're, as your love grows more and more, that you'll have better discernment, meaning you'll have an idea of like, what should I do, which way should I go? How should I act? Now, most of us now are like, I don't know what to do. Quick, look up a YouTube video. <laughs> It'll show me what to do, right? Yeah. Which college should I go to? Uh, how to make friends? Um, how to get an A in uh, chemistry? Yeah. You know, we look up all these, because we think the more knowledge that we, we, we get, the more information that we get, uh, the right information that we get will, will lead us in the right direction. Right. But Paul here is saying that if your love is abounding more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, you'll be able to decide which way to go. And again, he points us back to the day of Christ.
1: That's like super cool. And then he ends the whole thing by saying, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God. Hmm. He's just like fruit of righteousness. Yeah. Sending us out. He's saying we want, I want you to, to love and abound more, have lots of knowledge. So you know, what's right. You don't have to look up the YouTube video. So you can go out and uh, give the glory and praise to God. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. That's, it's cool, man. That, you know, that you're going to be, when we do decide, you know, that our love is going to abound and all the knowledge, knowledge and insight so that we can live lives that are pure and blameless, giving glory to God. We're going to be filled with this fruit, like God's fruit will will begin to grow. And what does that fruit look like? Well, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, um, self-control. And there's one more that I forgot in there, but you can look it up. The end of Galatians uh, has the fruit of the Spirit in it. And so it's kind of cool that there's fruit of righteousness, of living in a right way with God, uh, that produces something good. I think sometimes we get super bummed because we think if I live for God, if I'm righteous, what do I get? Well, it seems like nothing, you know, I get left out. Yeah. Uh, But that's not what this is saying. This is saying if you live for God a righteous lifestyle, there's actually fruit that comes out of that. Right. Uh, There's good things that come out of that. Yeah. Um, And, and it's not just, and here's, here's the thing that's hard for, I think a lot of us to get is it's not just, looking all the way down the road towards, you know, oh, we'll die and we'll, get, we'll go to heaven and all of our righteous acts will somehow become something better and greater. Uh, because what do we know about that? Well, what we know is that once we decide we're gonna give our lives to Christ, we have that assurance of salvation. yeah We're saved. yeah And so all of our works, this grace-based living that we have now, um, all of that is helpful and good and it's out of the joy that we have for God. But there's actually benefits to that here in this life, here and now. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that. We think, oh, well, I'm just looking towards this you know, distant future when actually there's fruit uh, that can come in the here and now. And Paul knows this.
1: Well, what a great passage. You know, this passage is so good that even if you've listened to this whole thing, You should take a moment at the end of it and just read it again for yourself, because I'm sure something different will stand out for you. That's just kind of how scripture seems to work almost all of the time. You read it and something new will stand out to you. And that's God trying to say, Hey, I need you to see this right now. So that's my encouragement to you that you find time to just read through this again and focus in on
0: verse six. Uh, And we want you to know too that. You know, when, when Patrick and I think about you guys listening to this, we thank God. Yeah. Every time for you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, thanks for checking out today's Devo. You'll hear more from the book of Philippians on Sundays for the next few weeks. So get ready and it's going to be an exciting time.
0: All right. Later, everyone.
1: Blessings.